I want us to hop into this morning uh, Mark chapter 10. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 46. We're just going to look at a, a small little story there in Mark chapter 10. Uh, in verse uh, 46 through 52, it, uh, the verse is also on the Bible app, and so if you have that, uh, feel free to go um, and look that up uh, on the Bible app. If you open up uh, the Bible app, bottom right-hand corner, just says more, and then you can click on events, and then uh, Restoration Church's event, uh, this uh, service should show up, and then you can see the passage there. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, um, just like how it uh, uh, says a couple things. Um, and so Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. Um, this week, as I was looking at this story, it brought me back to the time that I met Cece and her, or Cece's parents for the first time. Uh, they had me over to dinner, and I grew up with a, a smaller family, and we had uh, just it was myself and my sister and uh, my parents, and we would sit around the table, and uh, we'd have a nice dinner or whatever, and um, everything I just remember, my mom was very, is very particular, um, and she wanted everything just like in a nice orderly fashion, and you just would pass the dishes and uh, go from one person to the next, and in a nice orderly fashion, um, things would just happen around the table, and people would share things, and um, there was just a... Uh, it was a smaller family, so there just was maybe a little bit more sense of, of calm uh, that I was used to growing up. Well, I went over to Cece's house, uh, her parents' house, uh, that first time to meet them and to have dinner, and uh, let me just say this, it was different. It was not what I was used to growing up. It was not right or wrong, there was nothing wrong, it just was a different environment. I sat down at this table. It was a lot bigger than I uh, was, was used to. I forget who all was there, but there were a number, number of people, and all of a sudden, people just started passing things or grabbing things, and they were filling up their plate. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is how we're rolling. We're not waiting for prayer. We're just going to dive in, and we're just going to share some things. And then eventually, her dad said, all right, let's pray over the meal. And uh, we started to eat, and then what I witnessed was something that I had never witnessed before. All of a sudden, people were talking and sharing these stories. And then someone would share a story, and then someone would have a better story, and then someone would jump in. And I remember sitting there thinking, this was my thought you know, going through my mind. I'm like, is anybody listening? Is anybody like paying attention to what is being said? Because everybody is trying to like hop on and, and do all of this different stuff. And, and I asked her afterwards, I said, like, that was a different experience for me. Like, How does somebody get a word in? Because I was unable to get a word in. And she says, well, you either have to tell a funnier story than the person before you, or you have to speak louder. And I'm like, all right, I guess that's how it's going to roll. Instead of like waiting for, for everybody's turn, you just have to shout louder and speak louder. That was the experience that I had that first, uh, that first time over at her parents' house for dinner. And what I have learned over the last couple years is to speak louder. And just like, if you want your voice to be heard, speak louder, speak up. Um, I use that, I share that, because I think we're living in an age, well, and it's not a bad thing, where everybody tries to, to figure out how to say things, and to say things the, the, the right way, the appropriate way, and I'm all for growing in how we communicate, and so I don't want to put that down, but actually when I look at Scripture, Jesus responds to people who don't necessarily say things the right way that don't like have this beautifully carved little, little saying, and hey, hey, Jesus, can I have your attention? That really, does, you don't see that in, in Scripture. And it's specifically the story that I'm going to share today. Uh, Jesus responds to these people who, um, from my perspective, 
act a little bit out of social norms, act a little bit um, different than people were used to acting. And so as we're hopping to Mark chapter 10, I want to read this story, and we're just going to go verse by verse, and there's some things that I want to pick up, and I want to share then how this uh, applies to us as a body of believers called Restoration Church. It says this, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. So here we are. Here's the scene. It's in, it's in Jericho. Actually, there's two cities called Jericho. They're about 15 miles apart. Uh, people think that this one took place at the old Jericho, which is actually one of the, if not the oldest city in the world, old, oldest town in the world. And uh, Jericho is about 800 feet below sea level. And so this Jericho is actually the, the city that is um, the lowest city in the world. And so here it's taking place at Jericho, this large crowd. We don't know how many people were in this crowd, but Jesus' popularity is growing. And uh, many people are on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which is where Jesus was headed. And so maybe some were walking alongside of, of him. Um, maybe there's this crowd just following Jesus uh, because of the miracles that he had performed. But then all of a sudden, Mark takes this crowd. And so often throughout Scripture, you see the big crowd, and then one of the authors zooms in on one person. And here we see a man named Bartimaeus who's been blind, begging on the side of the road, which uh, he would have done, which would have been his livelihood. He would have done this uh, every single day, just sitting there, begging, waiting for somebody to give him something. Beggars were outside of the city, and people would have passed by him all the time. And then it says this in verse 47. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I think that is so interesting. When he heard that Jesus was passing by, Bartimaeus didn't just be quiet like, hey, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. No, he shouted. And what did he shout? He shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what he shared in saying son of David was so significant. It's the only time that this phrase is used in the Gospel of Mark. And here is a, a blind man, a beggar, who identifies Jesus correctly. See, this was a messianic uh, title, this was like, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the one that we have been waiting for. You are the one that the prophets talked about in the past. In Isaiah, you're the one who the prophet said, this one is coming, the one who to redeem Israel, the one who's going to have a spirit of power and wisdom and understanding, the one who is going to, to heal the blind, give sight to the blind. This is the one who the prophets had talked about for many, many years. And here is a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road who identifies Jesus correctly, which just shows that maybe blind people see better than we think. This blind man named Bartimaeus identifies Jesus correctly. There's something significant. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I knew you were the one who was, who was coming. I knew you are the ones that the prophets talked about. And so be moved with compassion and heal my sight. So this is what he says. Verse 48. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Here's this large crowd. 
A blind beggar shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what is the crowd's response? Be quiet. Don't do that. Don't say that. And here's what's interesting. Here's this beggar who on the side of the road waiting for somebody to pass by to give him something. He wasn't a part of the crowd. The crowd was walking with Jesus, but yet the crowd remained silent. It is this amazing picture of this crowd being so close in proximity to Jesus, but did not have a relationship with Jesus, wasn't interacting with Jesus. And on top of that, here was this crowd who didn't want anybody else interacting with Jesus. Because as soon as somebody cries out to Jesus, as soon as this blind beggar cried out to Jesus, the crowd said, hey, shut up, be quiet. Don't bug him. This is nonsense. And here at this moment, right at this moment, this blind beggar had to make a decision. I think this moment, right in between this phrase and the next phrase, is so significant. In fact, I wrote in my Bible, I said, big moment, what would he do in this moment? Because here was this blind man named Bartimaeus whose name really didn't have much significance anyway. Bartimaeus means um, son of Timaeus. I mean, he doesn't have a name that means much. It's just the son of his dad. His dad name means honor. So he's a son of honor and probably for most of his life did not feel a lot of honor. There was a lot of disappointment in his life. This was his lot in life, sitting at the, the lowest point in the world, in the lowest city in the world, a city that has, was abandoned at this time, and here he is begging. What would he do? And people all around him are telling him to be quiet. You know how this feels. A lot of us in this room know how this feels. We've gone through life, and we were hoping that Jesus would do something, and he didn't do what we had expected him to do. And there's disappointment. There's disappointment in our lives. Maybe there's disappointment in yourself, like you thought you would be further along in your relationship with Jesus than you are. Maybe people are telling you in your relationship with Jesus, ah, you're being a little too fanatic. You're being a little too crazy. You're taking him a little too seriously. Be quiet. Or what this crowd is communicating to this blind man is like, Jesus doesn't really care about you. Be quiet. He doesn't want that type of relationship with you. And so this man had a decision to make. Do you stay stuck and sit there on the side of the road? Or do you do something differently? This is what it says. And if I were you, I'd underline this in your Bible because I think this is so powerful. But he only shouted louder. He was told to be quiet. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. What he's saying in this moment is he's looking at Jesus through, I can't see yet, but he's, 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 Jesus is passing by, and he's like, no, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the one who can heal me. I believe that you are the Son of God. Have mercy on me. I believe in who you are. And because of that belief, he couldn't be quiet. He shouted louder. And I think that is such a word for us today in our lives, in a world that would tell us to be quiet. Be quiet. There's, there's many ways to God. There's many ways to have a relationship with God. We need to shout louder. Jesus is the only way. To a world that would say, like, be quiet. There's, there's not a lot of hope. Things are pretty dark. We need to shout louder. Yeah, but our God raises the dead. 
In a world that says, be quiet, you can't really change. We need to shout louder and say, with God, all things are possible. In a world that says, be quiet, God doesn't really do whatever anymore, doesn't heal anymore. We need to shout louder, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a world that says, be quiet, you are who you are, you have all these mistakes. We need to shout louder that and say, you know what, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I look at this man, and he had a desire deep in his heart. And that desire outweighed the disappointment and the discouragement that he felt from the crowd. And in our lives, our desire, our desire to be bold witnesses for Jesus, our desire to let the world know about Jesus, our desire to see transformation must always be louder than the disappointments or the discouragement that we feel. We'll face discouragement, we'll face disappointment, but we have to shout louder with our lives and with our lips that no, we are fully giving our lives to Jesus. Look at verse 49. It says, When Jesus heard him, he stopped, and he said to him, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Which is so interesting. Jesus stopped. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus had significant things ahead. Jesus was going to the cross. And he stopped. He was willing to be interrupted. And as soon as he stopped and he, and he said, tell him to come here, all of a sudden this crowd that jeered him, that made fun of him, is now cheering him along. The one who mocked him are saying like they're moving him closer. And it's so interesting how quickly the crowd can change. It changed from being his enemy to being his biggest cheerleader. And that's just another reminder. You don't listen to the crowd. You don't follow the crowd. You keep your eyes on King Jesus. But here, Jesus invited him to come close. And then verse 50, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, which is pretty impressive for a blind man. I'm just thinking that like, he's still blind at this point, and he jumps up, and he came to Jesus. He threw off his coat. He threw off his only possession that he had. The coat would have identified him as a beggar, would have identified him as saying like, he has nothing really to give this world. He has no purpose. He threw off the old, and he runs to Jesus, jumps up and moves towards Jesus. And then Jesus asks him this, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And in this moment, Jesus is saying, I need to hear it from you because I need to know what you believe about me. I mean, how would you answer that question? If Jesus came to you and said, what, what, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? What do you believe Jesus can do? And he says, my rabbi, my teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, left everything behind and followed Jesus down the road. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see that he left, he followed Jesus, praising and worshiping him, and everybody joined in with him. It's a phenomenal story. What does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us as a community? And I would just use that phrase that we see in verse 48 and just use that. Like This speaks volumes to, to us as a community. We need to be a people who shout louder, who shout louder, who don't get discouraged by the crowds and by people who say, be quiet, but we need to shout with our lips and with our lives that Jesus is our king, that we're giving all to King Jesus. 
that we're not giving up, constantly crying out to King Jesus. We need to be a passionate people filled with faith. And this is who we are. Like, I look at this story, frankly, and like, he's a crazy one. Like, and I would say to us, we're the crazy ones in a good way. People who are going to believe in Jesus and then say like, no, we believe who Jesus says he is. And all over the last couple years, this is who we have been. We have shouted louder. We have shouted louder, Jesus, you are our king. I think of so many pictures, and I put some pictures uh, up, on the, up on the screen. Um, the first one is just of the first men's Bible study that we ever had. And here is just a group of men that consistently for a number of years have gone after the Lord, have shouted loudly to the Lord, we are not giving up. We are going to pursue you. And this is the, the next picture was taken just this past Wednesday. Uh, a group of men, saying, you know, more men joining in, coming together, desiring the Lord, shouting louder to the Lord like, we love you, we're living our lives wholeheartedly for you. I mean, this body has shouted loudly in the way that it has cared for one another. I mean, the number of people that have gotten sick and gotten through difficult times, people have showed up, have prayed, have encouraged. And here's a couple pictures that I found on my computer, the the next one. Here's a group of us at uh, Barry's house cleaning up his house. We probably need to do that again, Barry. That was a couple years ago. Uh, But here they showed up and just worked tirelessly. There's another, another picture, um, helping somebody move on a sweaty, hotty day, hot day in, in June. It wasn't April that year, you know, having an 85-degree day. It was in June, and just coming out and caring for people. And there's been ways that we have reached out into this community, that we have shouted loudly to the community that Jesus is our only hope. I think of the numerous times, and there's another p- picture up here, that we've gone out to the beach, and we've handed out hamburgers, and we've prayed for people and encourage people and share the gospel. I remember one time when uh, somebody shared the gospel, it was actually this night that's up on the screen, and a couple girls gave their lives to Jesus. Like, that is our community shouting loudly, saying, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I think about the numerous people that we have sent from this place and who have gone on mission trips. Here's a a, a picture um, of a group that went to Zambia. Um, A a number of them went and for three weeks shared the gospel in villages in, in Zambia. And then I think about Austin and Tate, who are uh, in Zambia and, and leading our, our community and just thinking globally that the nations need to hear about Jesus. And then I can't, uh, help it for, I can't forget the, the many bikes that we have purchased for chaplains so that now they can cruise to village to village faster, shouting loudly the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about our community and its passion for prayer. And pictures like this always come to mind in the middle of a service, gathering around somebody and praying. It's just a picture that we're like, we're not going to go through just this normal order on a Sunday morning. We're going to be able to stop and pause and and pray and cry out to God on behalf of people that have come together to shout loudly like, no, we believe that God can move in this moment. And in addition to that, coming together and praying together, a year ago, we went uh, out into the community and walked 18 miles praying for people, just going up to people and praying, praying with them. And then like Mike shared, we're a community that's going to shout loudly and talk to people about Jesus so that we can see transformation. We've had numerous baptisms. I saw this picture. It was Steve and uh, baptizing his son, Will. And then just our recent one. I did take a picture yesterday. There's Mike baptizing Andrew yesterday. I mean, that's what we're all about, a community that is shouting loudly and then a community that loves Jesus, that worships him with our lips and our lives. And I think of the number of places that we've worshipped in Barnes, Compassionate Heart, the Bridge, here, at different places. 
This is who we are. As I look at this passage, I don't want us, and I'll just speak for myself, I don't want to be the one in the crowd watching Jesus pass by. We'll not, we will not be that. We'll be the ones that cry out, that shout louder. We're not here to come and just check a box like, hey, we've been to church. From the beginning, we said that when we come together in this type of environment, we don't want to just come and check a box that we went to church and then move on. We want to come together and worship. We want to come together and be spirit-led and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? That's why, like, worshiping at the very beginning, there are some songs that we didn't plan. And not that, like, hey, we're just going to be spontaneous. No, we're just trying to follow the Spirit's leading. We also wanted to be a body that is connecting with one another, that hangs out, that gets to know each other. Be a body that's comfortable with the messes. A body that is becoming comfortable, comfortable being uncomfortable. Open to having plans change. See, and this is what I believe. You and I don't need a community where we can slide in, pretend, that's every, pretend that everything is okay. What you and I need, a pla- is a, need is a place where we can be real, a place where we can be known, a place where we can be encouraged, a place where we can find healing, a place where we can find hope, and a place where we can find purpose. That's all in Jesus. To come together and be this family and to lead others into an encounter with Jesus. I don't want to be like a crowd that is telling people to shut up. I want to encourage them and tell them, encounter Jesus. If you were here last Sunday, beautiful testimony in the back. This blew me away. It's your testimony. Your jersey. Yeah, it was you. Dude, you're sharing like that was that that hit me so hard last Sunday. And you are such a blessing to me and to so many others. Standing up and saying, you know what? A year ago, countered this crazy guy, Rick, who opens up his home over and over and over again to people to show them the love of Jesus. And then invites other people into that to walk with people to help lead them into an encounter with Jesus. That is who we are as a body a body that's going to shout louder to the world, our only hope is in Jesus. And to live a life of worship, worshiping with our mouths, declaring how great Jesus is, but also with our lives. I think of that question, and I'll wrap it up here, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to give an update. Um, I think of what Jesus said and asked the blind man, what do you want? I've wrestled with that question this week. What do you want? What do you want? I think Jesus is asking that of us. What do you want? And my honest response is I want to see the kingdom of God. I want to see revival. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see West Michigan shaken with the gospel of Jesus. I want to see the Holy Spirit poured out over this area like we've never seen before. Not because, ooh, we can see some cool things or whatever, but because People need to know how passionately in love Jesus is with them. They need to see that God is real. That is what I'm living for. That is what I know you're living for. That is what we are hungering and thirsting for. And that is what I believe this community called Restoration Church is all about. It's going to be a people who are shouting louder and not giving up. We want to see the kingdom of God come, whatever it looks like. And we are willing to surrender our lives all for King Jesus. So with that in mind,